1: Hey, this is Rashawn Blumberg, co-author of Game Changer. And if you want to learn how to build world-class relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel.
0: Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chapel, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, You want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place. Because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Rashawn Blumberg. He is the co-author of Game Changer and co-founder of 10X Management, a talent agency for tech professionals that has rocketed to the forefront of the tech industry, carving out its place as a trusted and exclusive resource for companies seeking the best and most coveted freelance tech experts. Rashaan is first and foremost an entrepreneur. It's what he studied, graduating from the Wharton School of Business with a degree in entrepreneurial management back in 1994. It's what he's lived and it's what he loves. For more than 25 years, he's harnessed that spirit to create and lead successful organizations based in tech, entertainment, and the nonprofit sphere, finding new solutions to longstanding and emerging challenges. Rashaan has presented at TEDx, been published in the Harvard Business Review and was featured on the cover of the Wharton Alumni of New York magazine. Guys gonna be such an amazing conversation as usual. But first really quickly, if you are listening to this right now and you would like to get started with your own podcast, then head over to Travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And there's a quick application there. We'll jump on a phone call to see if we'd be a good fit to build out a show for you. So that way you can focus on your business, what you're really good at. And we can focus on where we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts that attract your ideal clients into your business. That's travischappell.com slash podcast. Sean, what's up, man? Thanks so much for joining me on the show.
1: Hey, Travis. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for
0: having me. Yes, sir. Let's go ahead and jump right in, build some context for the people that are listening and go all the way back, back to the very beginning of the story. Curious about what life was like for 12-year-old Rashawn. Like, what were you up to yeah. in school and family life, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, no. And, and actually, this story really starts even before 12. It starts at around seven or eight. When I started in third grade, I met my still business partner, We went third grade through eighth grade together. His name's Michael Solomon. He's the co-author of the book as well. And virtually every project we've worked on, we've worked on together, although there are a couple of nonprofits that he's helped to co-found that I have not been directly involved with on on that level. So, you know, the story for me is growing up in New York City in the 70s and 80s, I grew up with different viewpoint towards the entertainment business because there were a lot of people whose parents I knew who were in the business. And so uh, I think a lot of other kids around the country when they would go to the movies or they'd listen to music they'd be like oh my god i love this i love this song i really connect with it it's like an emotional time marker for me i was connecting to it in a different way i was like oh this is so interesting you know, my friend's parents work with this artist that put out this song. And, you know, so it was really this look behind the curtain at a very young age. And I'm not saying that that so much shaped me as an entrepreneur or my desire to be entrepreneurial, because I actually think that's something that's genetic within me. But it really set me off on a certain path. And the same thing for my, my business partner, Michael, where we really saw the music industry as a very sort of Easy is the wrong phrase because it's never easy and it wasn't easy for me, even though we knew a lot of people. I think I had fewer barriers to entry in getting into the music business than I did in other areas. So all through high school, I was sort of the entrepreneurial guy. I was the guy who would like rent a loft, uh, make a deal with a beer distributor, promote parties within the uh, private and public schools in New York City. I had a t-shirt business with Michael where we printed up t-shirts and sold them at the NYU dorms. We had a couple things that weren't quite as legitimate, like a fake ID business. We don't have to go into that part of it.
0: Um, (laughs) Not an interview, but... Yeah.
1: So, um, (laughs) you know, at at a very young age, I was very entrepreneurial, really interested in sort of forming and forging my own path towards things. I didn't feel like I could really work for other people in the traditional sense. And I know that this is largely a a podcast about networking. I, I feel like there was this natural inclination in New York City, at least, to network, especially when it had to do with the parties that we would throw because we would get to know people at all these other schools and we'd sort of utilize them to help promote the events that we were throwing like an affiliate in an affiliate strategy. And I carried that into school when I started at uh, Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania. I started running the concert committee there my freshman year, at the end of my freshman year. And I also was throwing parties on campus there. And it was the same model and methodology. I would sort of you know i don't think i necessarily called it networking but i would you know become friends with all these different people in different groups and when i would throw an event i would bring these disparate people from these different groups in and have them promote the event with me to their friends and it sort of was like an echo chamber you know this is obviously pre social media it's pre sharing and liking it was really based on sort of the will to just see these things come to fruition and figure out ways to market and promote them Um, And then after I left college, you know, Wharton is known, it's obviously a business school, but it's known largely for finance. Uh, It's not necessarily, at the time, it wasn't necessarily a big entrepreneurial hub, but I studied entrepreneurial management. Today, I think all business programs are much more geared towards entrepreneurship, but back then it wasn't. And so I ended up working, my first job was for the concert company that we had hired when I was at Penn, when I was running the concert committee, And I worked for them. Then I worked for the biggest promoter in New York City who ultimately became Live Nation, what is now Live Nation, a legend named Ron Delsner. And all along, I knew that I didn't necessarily want to be pigeonholed in that one sector of concert promotion because the real action was at the hub, working with the artists directly. And so myself and Michael, we started an artist management company called Brickwall Management in 1995. Actually, we just celebrated in June our 25th anniversary which is insane to even comprehend in my mind. And it's been an amazing experience. And that directly led us into around 2010, 2011, the tech sector, because we had been doing so much with tech freelancers to build web properties and apps for the entertainment world. We kept sort of bumping into the same kinds of problems and frustrations. And we started to think, hmm, people are referring to tech talent as rock stars. We work with rock stars. Like maybe there's a way that we can play a role in providing greater efficiency and clarity in this world of hiring tech freelancers or connecting with freelancers in the tech world. And so we started a company called 10X Management, where we essentially brought the talent representation from entertainment and sports into tech. And then in 2019, we started an offshoot company called 10X Ascend, where we don't represent tech freelancers there, but we represent tech talent looking for full-time opportunities. We help them negotiate their compensation packages when they get offers because we were seeing that so many people weren't negotiating when we were placing them on engagements. And then they were transitioning into W-2s that we started doing it ourselves for free with 10x management. And we transitioned that into a separate business. And it's really those three pillars Brickwall Management, 10X Management, and 10X Ascend, and our experiences in all three of those verticals that really informed the book Game Changer, How to Be 10X in the Talent Economy that's coming out in September 22nd that we're going to talk a little bit about today. And I think that both our backgrounds in being entrepreneurial, in coming up in New York City and sort of seeing the world from a different perspective early on, I think all of those things sort of wrap up really nicely into a book that is both like a think book about what's going on in the world and also has actual prescriptive steps to take to do to achieve certain things, both for companies and for individuals. That is almost the full picture right there.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I do want to dive in on a couple of those things. One thing I'd love for you to talk into a little bit, if you can, Rashawn, is the thing that you mentioned about taking one aspect of an industry that you knew extremely well and coupling it with another industry that you were getting to know extremely well and creating this kind of hybrid model that had not been seen in this other industry where in the previous industry, it was like the norm, right? So that's something I'm really fascinated by because I think sometimes people can create their own echo chambers where they never get any sort of outside influence into what they're doing. And they're so focused on their one thing, their craft, that they only listen to other people who do the thing that they do yeah. And I think that prohibits a lot of people from being able to innovate and come up with new ideas that might be able to be the answer to their problems and be the thing that actually allows them to differentiate themselves rather than just do the thing that everybody else is doing. Can you talk into that for a second and maybe give some ideas for people if if they're maybe stuck in some of that some of those mindsets?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are two things that I take away from that question. The first is this directly relates to the book: the idea of talent, right? usually people think of talent, oh, that's Tom Cruise, that's, you know, Michael Jordan, their talent. The reality is that you and everyone else that's listening to this are talent. And I think what we realized when we were sort of transitioning, not away from the music business, but creating this new hybrid business in tech is that the skills that we had learned in representing talent in the traditional sense of the word, rock stars, was really something that we could port over to other verticals. And I think that very often people get stuck thinking, well, I can only do this, but they don't really start thinking about what this is and how it could pertain to other verticals, other industries, other skill sets that are complementary to that. So that was really the first aha moment for us, right? It took literally the phrase rock star being attributed to tech talent for us to go, huh, maybe our skill set is not limited to representing entertainers. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is something we can do differently. And then the other part that you mentioned is like, sometimes you get stuck in an echo chamber and, and how can you sort of take advice, guidance from other people that maybe will break you out of your own mind and your own mindset and help you see something differently. And we actually talk about this extensively in the book, because we think that once you start thinking about yourself as talent, you realize that talent in the traditional sense worked with managers and agents and other business entities to help them do their best work, right? They focus on what their skill set is. So, you know, taking Tom Cruise as the example I used before, you know, if he had to negotiate all of his own deals and like invoice all his own stuff and do his own taxes and do, you know, everything that surrounds the business elements of him acting, he would never be the actor or have the career that he had. And I think that that's very true when you are sort of stuck in your own head about what you are doing, what your business is at this very moment in time. And so we basically across the board believe that people should have some sort of advisor, whether that's a coach, a mentor, a manager who's above you in an organization, an actual manager in the traditional sense of the word, a rabbi, a priest, whomever you can go to. And the term that we use in the book is called skin in the game. You want somebody that has skin in the game in your career that really cares about you and wants to see you benefit, prosper, I should say, not benefit, wants to see you prosper. And there are people all around you that can do this for you. We talk about sort of the momager and and friendager, which is one area of where to look for these things if you don't have access to other people. But I think that what we haven't seen enough of recently, and this is something that used to happen as a policy in companies, is sort of like an internship mentorship that occurs when you come into a certain industry or job. And I think that people really need to be thinking about internships, mentorships, coaches. I mean, coaching I think has become much more popular in the last five years, I and mean, we're huge proponents of this. My partner would say both a personal life coach and a professional coach. I focus more on the professional side of it. And, but I, you know, we've sought out our own sort of coach and strategic advisor who we've been using for the last four or five years, who's interviewed in the book. And I think that that's so important for people to have somebody to give them that outside perspective who has skin in the game, who cares, who's invested, invested in you succeeding. So it's more than a casual relationship. It can be an every now and again relationship where you have a sort of standing agreement that if there's an issue or something you want to bounce off somebody, you know, you can come to them. It doesn't have to be so intimate. They don't have to get financial, you know, remuneration from you. But there should be somebody in your life who is giving you some guidance, some outside perspective for so many reasons. I don't know if you've covered Jahari Window in any of your podcasts, but essentially these are all the ways that people can get feedback from other people, either about things that they already know about themselves, that they're interested in other person's feedback. But most importantly and most relevant to what I'm talking about now is other people can very often see things in you that you don't really know about yourself. The The repetitive mistakes you might make and that's super helpful to have somebody that can go, hey, you realize that when you get up in the morning, you don't have coffee, you're kind of not very nice. Like, that's an obvious one, right? But, you know, people may not notice those things. They may not notice these patterns that they they can't break themselves out of. So we're huge proponents of coaching. The takeaways in my mind are evaluate what your skill sets are because it's likely that your skill sets fit other verticals and, and have other tangential skill sets you're not even thinking about. And the other thing is seek guidance from others. It doesn't have to be somebody who's your boss. It doesn't have to be somebody that's quote unquote above you, but find somebody who has skin in the game that cares about you in some way, shape or form and form some sort of strategic relationship. In some cases you can perform that role
0: for them as well. Fantastic answer. And I appreciate, I uh, appreciate you answering that as uh, holistically as you did there. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Let's talk a little bit about the relationship that you have with your business partner, as well as some of the relationships that you have with your mentors. Obviously, this is Build Your Network. We talk a lot about relationships and connecting people and how impactful that can be in your life. I know this is an impossible question to answer, but I like to ask it just to simply give encourage people to think about it for their own lives. If it weren't for the relationship that you have with your business partner and with a couple of the mentors that you've had in your life, where do you think that you would be in your career if, if you never placed a priority on cultivating those relationships?
1: So this is actually something I've thought about a lot because there are a couple of people in my life who have been exponentially Influential on me. And it wasn't even necessarily like they did such amazing things for me over the long term. It was two specific instances that I can think about. One is a person who told me about the program at Wharton that I ended up going to. You know, it was a friend of mine. We were having a casual conversation. I was telling him, you know, some ideas I had. I had taken a little time off to do entrepreneurial stuff. I, w- I was thinking I wouldn't even go to school at all. And he told me about this program, and I ended up going and applying and getting into that program. And that changed my life. Hands down, that one conversation with that one person changed my life. I'm 100% positive that I would be in a completely different place if that conversation hadn't happened. And so about five or six years ago, maybe it's even a little bit, maybe it's almost 10 years ago now, I called this person up and I took him out to lunch and I told him how important he was to me. We had not been in touch over the last probably 15 to 20 years. We'd see each other every now and again, but I let him know how important he was to me. And, and that was pivotal. So I have thought about this a lot. And then there's another situation, one of the charitable organizations that we work with called the Kristen and Carr Fund. The namesake is for a very close friend of mine and girlfriend of my partner, Michael Solomon's, who we grew up with, who unfortunately died of sarcoma, a rare form of cancer, when she was 21 in 1993. And her mother is Bruce Springsteen's co-manager and her father is a rock legend, uh, rock critic, Dave Marsh. And getting to know Kristen and getting to know her family absolutely changed the course of my life. As I mentioned earlier in sort of the biographical portion of this, You know, just understanding that there was a business behind the music that I loved, like who doesn't love Bruce Springsteen, right? To understand that there is an organization that works with Bruce that is sort of uh, symbiotic with Bruce and and their fates are attached to each other in this wonderful relationship they have. And we interview John Landau and Barbara Carr, who are both of Bruce's managers in the book. That relationship, getting to know Kristen, getting to know her family, absolutely. The the Wharton introduction and Kristen, getting to know Kristen, fundamentally changed the course of my life. And I'm a huge proponent of always trying to help other people make connections when I can. If I know somebody that they want to meet, I'm happy to make an introduction because you never know what kind of introduction is going to be the one that changes your life completely. So I'm a firm believer in it and I have thought about it a lot.
0: Let me ask you this, Rashaan. This is the question I ask everybody that comes on the show, and it uh, usually provides some pretty interesting insights. So curious to hear what you have to say about it. Who you know or what you know, which of those two is more important and why?
1: It's a great question. I love it. And I don't know, I'm sure you've had so many different answers to this, but I think that if you don't have knowledge, if you haven't worked hard and acquired the what you know, the who you know doesn't matter as much. Because if you know a lot of people, but they think you're a bit of an idiot or a flake <laughs> or not serious, what's the point? So I think it's it's not really a chicken and an egg so much for me because I think you have to know. The what you know is vital to who you know. It's like the cross-section of uh, opportunity and preparedness is the definition of luck. Yeah. So I think to me, you, you have to know your stuff before who you know becomes a real asset to you.
0: Couldn't agree more with the fact that you got to at least be good at what you do. You got to at least be competent at what you do. The thing is, if if you have a good enough who you know, you don't have to be the best at what you do. That's kind of the things that we talk about on the show a little bit is like, there's somebody probably out there that's doing something that you do on a level much higher than you, even though that you're probably better at it than they are just because they know the right people, just because Mm -hmm. they had the opportunities brought to them. Yep. Or, you know, maybe they went and get, went out and got them, but they knew the right people to ask or to build those relationships with. So you got to have some what you got to have some what and then the the who is like the rocket ship that just explodes the what and if yeah. you don't ever take the time to work on the who then you better be really, really freaking good. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you better be really good at what you do. You
1: know, we talk about the concept 10x. It's in the name of our company. It's in the name of our book. And I think it speaks to exactly what you're talking about because it's this idea of somebody who has high intelligence, right? Let's just use a baseline here. I feel like we're in the knowledge economy now where people who are more capable than others are not being optimized out by automation. Hopefully I won't get too heady here and and I can clearly state what I'm trying to say. But basically when you've got people who are intelligent, right? High IQ is great. But if you don't also have a high EQ, if you don't have the ability to have this emotional connection, to communicate effectively, to be a constant learner, to care about others, the IQ isn't as impressive. When you match IQ with EQ, that's what a 10Xer is. That's how they're able to deliver exponential results because... Not only can they do things at a very high level because they're capable intellectually, but they can convey those things to other people. They can motivate other people. It's the difference between being a manager and a leader or a boss and a leader. The difference is the ability to communicate, connect. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. You can know tons of people, but if you don't really know your stuff, if you aren't the kind of person that, that is interested in becoming better and can communicate and cares about the people around you, the people that you know, they're not going to help you. Who you know is
0: not enough. It's who you are and who you know. Yeah, couldn't say it better, man. Couldn't say it better. I gotta ask you a little, uh, a couple questions about the book because I I'm really looking forward to this coming out and for our listeners to be able to go grab a copy. Can you tell us just overarching idea that that sparked the book? Why did you write it in the first place? And then you know, the top two or three takeaways that you want people to grab from that?
1: Yeah, the book is really, as I mentioned, it's sort of our experiences in in these three different companies that we've started and have been running for the last 25 years. But the backdrop is that, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, automation and technology are changing the world that we live in rapidly, very rapidly. And so the work environment of today is radically different than the work environment of even 20 years ago, let alone 50 years ago. And there are a lot of companies, we work with tons of different types of companies, from startups to, you know, Fortune 100 companies, domestic and international, and arms of various governments. You know, some of them are really aware of these changes, they've accommodated and changed their internal structure and systems to accommodate these changes, but so many more have not. So the impetus for us was really about trying to educate the marketplace based on what we're seeing through all the relationships that we've created over the last nine years in technology. And we use technology as the backdrop, but the reality is that this is coming to every vertical because technology is going to be and is already a part of every single vertical. And so that was really the impetus for for writing the book. And it's, it's basically broken up into two sections. One is about what companies need to do to sort of 10x themselves and essentially be more hospitable to these types of high performer 10xers If they want to compete, they're going to have to attract them, they're going to have to hire them, and they're going to have to manage them effectively, or else 10Xers will just leave because they have the ability to go and work anywhere they want, essentially, because there aren't that many of them. And then the other part of the book is really broken down into what individuals can do to rise along the 10X spectrum. Not everybody's a 10Xer. There are very few actual 10Xers out there, but we can all do things to make a stride towards 10Xness. And so the book is, like I said, it's a little bit of a big think, talking about the history of how we got to where we are, the reasons we are where we are and what we need to do. And then it talks about like what we view 10x level companies doing and how they behave and then what individuals need to do to be aware of the world around them, what changes are here and coming and what they can do to take steps towards it. The through line, so the takeaway is that the thing that goes through all, both sides of it is communication. Communication is the difference maker between success and failure in almost every engagement, whether you're a full-time worker or a freelancer. If you can, again, using tech as a backdrop, if you code at a very high level, but you can't work with other people because you can't communicate, or you don't know how to explain the ideas that you're trying to get across technologically, the likelihood is those engagements and those projects are not going to succeed. Nobody is an island. Nobody creates everything by themselves. It's an interconnected world one way or another. The idea here is you have to communicate. On the company side, what that means is in order to communicate effectively with someone, manage them, you've got to really know who they are, right? So many companies now, when they're hiring somebody, they put out a job description, they interview 20, 30, 40 people, whatever it is. They make a cookie cutter offer to them. Maybe they negotiate a couple of points here or there. They don't really get to know who that person is at that stage. And then when they are integrated into the company, the manager who's taking them on on their team, they don't know them until they get, you know, until they're there on the job. And there's this, you know, old way of work, which I talk about is, is akin to the movie Office Space, where, you know, somebody's walking around, some manager's walking around asking for TPS reports. And, you know, you got to come in on the weekend and they don't really care about you or care about your issues or your problems, or your goals, or your dreams, none of that stuff. That world is gone. If your company does not care about you at the core, they're never going to succeed because you're going to leave. People are mission driven today. They they want to work on projects that align with their values. So communication, getting to know the individual, and the ability to manage to the whole person. Right. So if somebody's got two kids in their mid thirties, what they need from a manager is going to be very different than somebody who's just out of college and is like ready to work. You know, ninety hours a week. And so it's really communication, learning who is on your team, and then for the individuals, it's about seeking the guidance from those people that are around you. Like we were talking about the coaches, the mentors, the rabbis, the priests, whomever it is that's in your life that can help give you vision into who you are that you're perhaps not aware of. I would say those are some of the main takeaways. And we break this down and it's We've got really some wonderful interviews with people, both on the core business side and on the entertainment side. As I mentioned, we interview Bruce Springsteen's managers. You know, so we've got sort of a lot of different verticals represented and uh, stories from the real world. And I think the book reads less like a management book, quote unquote, and more like a story with takeaways and lessons. I just recently recorded the audiobook version of it, and I spent like 15 hours in a studio reading it. It was so great to sort of hear it said out loud. I was loving it. Like I was enjoying my own book by reading it out loud. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. It's a good read.
0: Amazing. So is there a particular place that you guys are wanting people to go to pick up a copy of the book? So
1: there's a couple cool things we did. We created a, a quiz that allows individuals to sort of see where they stand on the 10xness scale and also companies if they want to sort of go through the process. So we have two different quizzes and a lot of other information about the book at GameChangerTheBook.com. You can pre-order it through that site. You can get access to the podcast that we've recorded with some of the people that we've interviewed. You can take the quiz, which is fun. So gamechangerthebook.com. And you can also connect with me there because my LinkedIn and Twitter uh, handles are on the site, as is Michael Solomon, my co-authors.
0: Gamechangerthebook.com. Guys, go pick up a copy of that book right now. Go pre-order it. Go make a note or if you're driving or something like that to pick it up later. But you guys know as soon as you can, go pick it up because if you don't pick it up now, you'll probably forget. So Go pick up a copy of the book now while you're thinking about it and uh, thank me later for that. Rashawn, I've got to get into the last segment here with you. Something it's like called the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Hit me. I'm ready. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt?
1: Okay, so I love playing tennis. Love playing tennis. I don't know if this is like a fantasy situation, but fantasy. if I could do, fantasy. if I could do the life over again, I would try to be a tennis player. <laughs>
0: If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? I'm going to say Abraham Lincoln. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos?
1: I definitely read a lot of books on a Kindle. I watch a fair number of videos. I'm active on social media, both because I like it and also for my job. So I think those are the main ways.
0: Give us a glimpse of your morning routine.
1: So because I have a background in the entertainment world, which tends to be out later and uh, start later, My morning is not so early, but I typically start with, I don't drink coffee, but I'll typically start with some kind of exercise. I try to exercise at least five to six days a week, whether that's tennis or running or biking or hitting the gym, which is now closed. So that's not even really an option. And then I really spend probably an hour and a half just looking through emails from the night before. We do some stuff uh, internationally. So there's always things that come in overnight that uh, I try to bang out in the morning. And then probably midday, I will really try to acquire, not midday, maybe around 11, I'll I'll try and acquire as much information about the news of the day that I can. I have a couple of aggregators, you know, that send me emails with some of the headlines. And then it's really just dealing with whatever the day brings my way, whether it's on the entertainment side with a music client or a tech project or reading a contract or talking to a lawyer. That's really what's nice about the work that we do. It's so varied
0: and every day is unique. What is your go-to pump-up song? So
1: I actually, I have a, a mix that I curate year round and I popped a new song on there recently that I found by I think a Nordic artist named Sigrid called Sucker Punch. And it is just so fun. And when the chorus kicks in, I just, it's the kind of song that I want to put on repeat and just jog to. It's awesome.
0: What is something that you are not very good at? Standardized tests.
1: Yeah, I'm not, uh, I probably have some undiagnosed learning differential disability, whatever we want to call it.
0: Standardized tests. That's a good answer. As we get everything wrapped (laughs) up here, Rashawn, what is a place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most?
1: So I spend a lot of time on socials, as I mentioned. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn. My name is so unique. It's, you know, Rashawn Blumberg. So it's the kind of thing where people can always find me. I have a Goodreads profile because I read a lot. And again, you can connect with me at GameChangerTheBook.com, but
0: uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. So if you want to go learn a little bit more about Rashawn and things that he's putting out there, just head over to GameChangerTheBook.com. Some of his social links are over there. And that'll be the place where you can easily pick up a copy of the book, which I highly suggest doing. That's GameChangerTheBook.com. Rashawn, thanks so much for joining me on the show today, man. This is an absolute pleasure.
1: Travis, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me ramble.
0: Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high-quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls. There's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.